In the Shadows, a new podcast by Izzy Steinmeier and Isla Campbell. Each week, we investigate the lives of the hidden women of history. Join us as we uncover their stories. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest instalment of our podcast In the Shadows, where each week we aim to give voices to the hidden figures of history. Hi, I'm Izzy. And I'm Isla. In today's episode, we're very lucky to be joined by Lucas Farmer, who will be chatting to us about Rachel Carson, the American marine biologist and conservationist, uh, credited with promoting the global environmental movement. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, so we hope you enjoy this episode of In the Shadow. So welcome, Lucas, and thanks so much for joining us today. So to kick us off, would you mind giving us a bit of background information on Rachel Carson? Yeah, of course. So Rachel Carson was, she's seen by many to be, you know, the first nature writer of the 21st century. Uh, She lived between 1907 and 1964. And as it says on the Rachel Carson official website, it says she's remembered more today as the woman who challenged the notion that humans could obtain mastery over nature by chemicals, bombs, and space travel. You know, she was really a proper student of nature, an ecologist before the term ecologist was even properly coined, and of course a writer. And she was constantly aware of the impact that humans had on the natural world. Interesting. So um, let's start from the beginning. Can we talk a bit about her upbringing and how that kind of influenced her later work? Yeah, so she was born, uh, she's American. She was born in Springdale, Pennsylvania just upstream from uh, some industrial areas, the industrial areas of Pittsburgh. Uh, she saw firsthand from a very young age, uh, the environmental degradation caused by you know, heavy industry in the early 20th century after the agriculture and industrial revolutions. Yeah, it's fascinating that we can make this link between her childhood and her later work. But can you tell us a bit more about some of Carson's most notable works? Yeah, so she published kind of three notable books before her really famous book, Silent Spring. And her first book was called Under the Sea Wind. Uh, That was published in 1941, which was just, you know, a short mesmerizing account of the interactions of a seabird, a fish and an eel, all interacting with each other and the open seas. Then uh, then shortly after that, during World War II, Carson, a brief stint, she worked as a marine biologist. Uh, And then just after that, she published her second book, again, all's well about the sea, uh, published in 1951. And her third book on the sea, The Edge of the Sea, was published in 1955. And all of these books on oceanic life, they discussed underwater exploration, exploration uh, research on how currents changed and merged, the impacts of erosion, salinity, and just you know, aquatic life in general. And um, through these books, Carson demonstrated a very obvious embrace of a larger environmental ethic. And this kind of in, in, this larger environmental ethic played a really key role. Uh, in her motivation to write Silent Spring. You know, a really clear understanding of all the individual parts that make the ocean and different environmental systems tick. You know, she made a really, really clear attempt through these books to educate the public on what was essentially their rights to know, right? Their their rights to know the human impact and environmental degradation that threatened such a delicate system, such a delicate balance of life uh, within the ocean. Mm -hmm. And... Um, going on to her book Silent Spring which she's most known for and it's kind of arguably her most celebrated work um, so can you kind of tell me a bit about that yeah yeah so like I said after publishing these first three books um, came her most celebrated book Silent Spring 
And this, this she took a change, right? She would move from the oceans to focus on, uh, on land and agriculture. And it was published in 1962. And Silent Spring directly challenged governments in the insecticide industry with evidence for the widespread misuse of organic pesticides. Uh, among one of the common culprits uh, of, of insecticides, Carson discussed the harmful effects of DDT, uh, which was previously thought to just be, you know, a harmless domestic insecticide. You know, people used it both inside, outside the house, among children, uh, among, you know, the elderly. You could even buy it, I mean, in, you know, garden houses and supermarkets throughout America. And Carson essentially, she discussed, along with a range of other insecticides, of course, but she discussed how by a process of bioaccumulation, an insecticide such as DDT can work its way up the food chain in greater concentrations and, you know, cause mass environmental degradation. Uh, and again, you know, that idea, that idea of her, her understanding of a large environmental ethic, you know, really shone through in this book. Yeah, so on that term of bioaccumulation, will you just give us a brief definition of that for us and our listeners? Yeah, of course. So uh, bioaccumulation, it simply refers to the buildup of poisons and fatty acids that increases in each step up the food chain. So this poison, uh, DDT, for instance, or insecticide, uh, it was therefore proved by Carson via the process of a bioaccumulation to be contaminating our entire food chain, you know, harming both humans and animals and of course, destroying the natural environment. Mm -hmm. So you kind of um, talked about her kind of groundbreaking research on this um, and her immense contribution to the environment, environmental movements. But um, I kind of want to um, see kind of what, what tangible influence did she have um, and particularly over US politics at the time? Yes, yeah, so um, Kennedy and Carson uh, were seen by many as kind of an environmental tag team. Right. So this is because Kennedy he was greatly influenced uh, by the works of Carson, partly through his wife, uh, the First Lady. Carson, in turn, was a great supporter of Kennedy and his attitude to kind of taking back control of the skies, as he called it, uh, and to reduce environmental degradation, you know, degradation, uh, strengthen bird populations, uh, strengthen local wildlife and create new national seashores. See, Kennedy had a real passion for, for sailing, you know, around uh, Cape Cod, Nantucket. And thankfully, thankfully, from this passion came a huge respect for the natural environment. He even said, actually, in his election speech, Kennedy said, after being Vice President Nixon, he said, Nixon, he said, GDP measures everything in short, except that in life that really matters. Uh, and this quote, I mean, it's been, it's been brought back up recently in the face of, you know, new development theories, such as the Das Gupta Review, in which the idea that GDP, which of course causes you know, the pursuit of GDP, which of course causes long-term environmental degradation, the fact that it cannot be, GDP cannot be used, used as a sole measurement of development. And, uh, you know, that's been brought up by people like Das Gupta in the Das Gupta Review, and Kennedy was clearly a really early adopter um, of such a view. And of course, after Carson published her book, Silent Spring, she got a huge amount of kickback, and it was Kennedy who really stood up for her. Uh, you know, he helped Carson in managing the, managing the blowback from the insecticide industry after she published the book. Uh, and he finally pushed through a bill to finally ban DDT in the US for domestic consumption in 1972. Uh, he also went on to create the President's Science Advisory Committee, the PSAC, which was headed by the highly respected Dr. Jerome B. Wiesner to study various health and environmental questions about pesticide use. So he was, you know, an avid supporter of, of Carson's work. 
Yeah, so clearly from what you've told us, Carson was a pioneering social revolutionary with a great influence on US politics. And she challenged governments and private industry and really urged the public to question authority. Mm -hmm. And she kind of, as you talked about, she laid the foundations for the rights of man to nature. And she really challenged the idea that humans were the controllers of nature um, instead of the other way around. And this is a legacy that really shouldn't be forgotten. So this brings us to the discussion segment of our episode, where we'll aim to uncover why Carson is in the shadows, despite her amazing and groundbreaking work. Um, So Lucas, can you tell us a bit about Carson's activism and kind of how we can link her to the feminist movement? Yeah, of course. Um, So Carson joined the Women's Committee for New Frontiers uh, after being invited by Kennedy's wife, actually. Uh, And this was before he he was actually elected president. And the Women's Committee for New Frontiers consisted of the brains of the smartest woman in the Democratic Party. Uh, And at the time, Mrs. Kennedy was pregnant, right? So she would have been horrified at the idea of poisons entering the food chain and the thought of genetic mutations caused by insecticides like DDT. So so yeah, so Carson joined this uh, Women's Committee for New Frontiers, having been invited by Kennedy's wife. Uh, so along with the other women uh, from the Women's Committee for New Frontiers, they, they, you know, they tried to take on some of the most powerful industrial forces in the world, uh, which would have been a daunting proposition for anyone at the time, let alone a single woman of her generation, of Carson's generation. Yeah, and I think it's really remarkable the tremendous influence that women such as Carson and Mrs. Kennedy had on the early movement to conserve our environment. But I think what was really interesting about Carson is she really knew her target audience of popular readers, and she knew that this consisted of housewives. So she was reliant upon this army of concerned citizens, both as sources who discovered robins and squirrels who had been poisoned by these pesticides she was fighting against, but also as readers to whom she could appeal. Um, And I think that she was also coined the nun of nature, Saint Rachel, um, as her environmental work really catalyzed kind of the move towards conserving uh, nature instead of focusing on financial gain. And what's really interesting about Carson's story is the fact that she, um, to the extent of the criticism she suffered, um, it was very, very scathing and kind of attacked every aspect of her life. Um, You know, and this is probably because she was um, attacking a big, big industry at the time, you know, big business, you know, she's connecting nature to industry. As as we've talked about, she's one of the first people to do that. Um, But also kind of, I think that that factor is amplified by the fact that she was an intelligent, powerful woman in a very incredibly male-dominated world. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, like you said, Ida, uh, Carson was attacking one of the biggest industries at the time, right? The pesticide industry, the insecticide industry. Uh, and they, they, were, they were huge at the time. They came shortly after the, uh, you know, the Green Revolution, uh, you know, industrialization, um, essentially to try and generate enough food to feed the population. Uh, the use of insecticides was was huge and it dominated the agricultural scene. Um, so, you know, Carson was attacked by the insecticide industry as anyone would have been attacked, and especially so because she was a woman. Uh, a point was particularly made that Carson was just a hysterical woman, you know, and this appeared both in pages of the chemical and agricultural trade journals, as well as in uh, popular press. 
Yeah, and I think this really speaks to attitudes towards women at the time because they were imagined to be less rational, much more emotional and more sentimental than men who could be relied upon to study these scientific issues and propose rational solutions. So an agricultural expert told a reporter at the Ribicoff hearings that you, you're you never going to satisfy organic farmers or emotional women in garden clubs. So clearly degrading Carson despite her immense achievements and amazing discoveries. Um, and so in his letter to Eisenhower, Benin wondered why Spencer was so worried about genetics. Um, so she was also um, criticised for kind of her emotionally provocative words and these phrases. And she didn't really she wasn't really connected to a powerful institution. Um, and this added to the ammunition of the critics who really just claimed she was an emotional woman. She was it was really, really scathing personal attacks. She was accused of being a communist sympathiser. Um, and even as, as Izzy was talking about, a spinster with an affinity for cats. And this kind of, you know, the message was clear. And the message was don't mess with the boys in their business, you know. So I see, yeah, like Isla said, I mean, she wasn't just attacked for being a woman. The insecticide industry really had to try to, you know, have a go at every single weak spot they could find. So along with attacking the fact that she was a so-called emotionally orientated woman, uh, they criticised her for possibly being a communist. They called her a food faddist. Uh, and you know, really exploited any weakness or, or chink in the armor they could find. All right, so even now, you know, there's medical journals that criticize um, Carson for being responsible for deaths of, of thousands due to malaria. You know, they write in, in, big, in big text, today, millions of people around the world suffer the painful and often deadly effects of malaria because one person sounded a false alarm. So, you know, even today, she's still attacked, uh, attacked by, um, you know, the insecticide, pesticide uh, and medical industry. Yeah, so I think that this accumulation of criticism really explains why Carson's memory is often erased from history, as not only was she attacking such a vast and profitable industry, but also partly because people are reluctant to credit such scientific success to a female biologist. So that draws um, this episode to a close, um, and we hope on the back of this episode you've learnt more about the incredible life and legacy of Rachel Carson. Um, thank you very much, Lucas, for talking to us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so join us next time where we will explore the life of another one of history's hidden figures. Thanks for listening. In the Shadows, uncovering the hidden women of history.